We're getting into our service here. Uh, We're in the red letters. If you're a visitor, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the words of Jesus Christ from the beginning of his ministry to the end of his ministry, and uh, we're just going chronologically through the Gospels. And so you're you're catching up with us today on what is traditionally um, Palm Sunday. Um, It's the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, as Elizabeth uh, shared, where the crowds were gathering around, um, screaming Hosanna to the highest. And and so it is the week before his crucifixion. They call this the Passion Week, where Jesus is kind of wrapping up his ministry, so to speak. And um, it's the week prior to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, uh, which we're going to be celebrating next week. And so um, we've looked at the triumphal entry as we've gone through chronologically here. Um, and since then, we've also been looking at the teachings that Jesus has done in his last week. And so we're going to continue in that today. And our reading has brought us to a place um, where Jesus is just a few short days out from his crucifixion. I mean, he's, uh, he, he's looking at the cross every day in the things that he says and the things that he does. Um, And again, keep in mind, this is his final week. These are final words that he's going to be saying to people, right? And, 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 And it's one of these things where as anybody does in their final days, they bear down on what's important, right? If you know your time is short, you, you start buttoning things up. You start sharing what's important, right? You, you, you talk about the matters that are important, or, or you, you point out the things that need to be identified and noticed as important. And, and so that's what Jesus is, is going to be doing in this last week. And so far, since his triumphal entry, Jesus has done a number of things. Um, he's uh, declared, uh, I'm sorry, he cleared the temple. He came in and flipped all the tables and did all that, Right? Um, He cursed a fig tree, and the fig tree, as a result, withered and died. He had his authority challenged by the religious leaders, and like, who gives you the right to sing and do what you say and do? And he's like, well, where did John get his right? And they wouldn't answer. And so he goes, well, the nanny nanny boo-boo, basically. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. And so he kind of had that back and forth with them. Um, He shared a number of parables about heaven, um, and and he's expressing who's going to get into heaven and who's not. You would think that would be an important message to pay attention to. Amen? Um, and, and he sparred with the religious leaders about all kinds of things up to now, um, from like, what is the greatest commandment where they tried to catch him in that one? Um, who is the Christ, right? Jesus asked him, who, who do you, who do you religious experts say the Messiah is the Christ is? Um, they tried to catch him on taxes. So he dealt with taxes, give to Caesar what Caesar and give to God. What is God's right? Um, they tried to trip him up with the resurrection. This group didn't believe in it. And so they said, hey, you know, and they told this story. If this woman has seven husbands, who's her husband in heaven? And Jesus deals with that. Um, and then he also, we, what we covered in the last couple of weeks, he delivered seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. And so this is where we are coming today. Is we, we covered the last of that last week, but our reading today is found in Mark chapter 12 and in Luke chapter 21. And it is the story of the widow's offering. And you're a visitor here, and you're like, great, I come when they're talking about money. That's not what it's about. But we're going to be talking about the widow's offering. And there's a powerful, powerful story. Um, We're going to be looking at Mark's account. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 12, whether you got a digital copy or or hard copy of a Bible. Um, But something about this widow's offering caught Jesus' attention. In his last days... Something about what she did caught his attention, so much so that Jesus gathers his disciples to himself, and he's like, look at what just happened. 
And, and so we're going to be looking at what impressed Jesus in this, in this event in history and what typically impresses Jesus throughout the Gospels that we've seen. It, it's people demonstrating and walking in and exercising faith, right? And so Jesus witnessed this profound demonstration of faith, and it was important enough that it got recorded in Scripture for all of us to read. And so today, we're going to look at a passage about giving, but this isn't a tithing message per se, but it's a message about the heart. It's a message about faith, and, and, and it's one of the, I've titled the message today of, of what, you're give, or what does your giving say about you? Because that's the question is, what heart are you giving with? Where's your faith? Why are you doing it? Um, what, does it, uh, what you give and how you give it says a lot about who you trust. What you give and how you give it says a, a lot about where your faith is. And so today's message, as we look at this widow and what she did, this message is about being all in for God. This message is about trusting God with every ounce of your substance and source. And so as we talk about this, let's get into our reading today. We're going to pick up in verse 41. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to read... And it says, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into their offering box. Many rich people came in, uh, and many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. He called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, those who are contributing to the offering box, uh, I'm sorry, uh, this widow, this poor widow has put more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we look at this passage that you've given us in, in, in your writing, and Lord, we, we look at, at what drew Jesus' attention to this event. And Father God, we thank you so much that you've provided your word for us to navigate life in and apply to ourselves. And so, Father, as we get into this word, help us to, to, to realize where we are with you. Challenge us, convict us, move us to change so that we'd be in alignment with you and what you desire for our life, Father. Let us not hold selfishly to, to what makes us comfortable. Um, let us not hold on to, 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 to traditions or, or the things of men, but God, let's, let's change our lives so that we can honor and glorify you in the things that we do. Father, I echo Pastor Brent's uh, prayer about those that are, are recovering from illness, the, the COVID, uh, that, that we know we have loved ones that have been impacted by that. Um, Father, mend them and heal them. For those that are recovering from surgery, we've had that too. Mend them and heal them, Father. You knit them together in their mother's womb. You can fix them where they're at now. And so, Father, um, we lift this service to you. Speak to us. Convict us, change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, I want to remind you that just prior to this event, oh, and I didn't change the slide. Bah, ooh, no. Um, just prior to this event, Jesus spoke warnings to the scribes and the Pharisees and about the scribes and the Pharisees. And it's actually found in Mark 12, but I think I've got Mark 11 on the slide. Forgive me for that. It's Mark 12, verses 38 through 40. And so Jesus says this, Beware of the scribes who walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive their, their greater condemnation. He then goes on and gives 
gives us the seven woes that we talked about in Matthew. And so Jesus has given this warning, proceeded to do the seven woes, and now we see him in a situation where the evidence of what we just read has now come to pass. Here is one of these widows who is coming to make an offering at the church that these Pharisees that Jesus was talking about, uh, have, 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 they've made her poor. Right? When you stop and look at the passages all together, one has to wonder, did Jesus say that knowing that this widow was going to be showing up giving what she was giving? Did he know that, that she would be coming into the temple that day? And so Jesus has now laid this foundation of, hey, be, be wary of all this stuff, and here's why. And it's one of these things where it's like, man, I, I like to think, yeah, he did. I like to think, hey, he's God. In his foreknowledge, he did know. And he's making this point. And so he knew that this woman was going to be coming to the temple with this minute offering so that he could show his disciples, look at the value of what she's done. And it shouldn't surprise us that he would know this. Amen? He's God in the flesh, right? We see this foreknowledge take place in, when he called Nathaniel in the beginning of John chapter 1. In John chapter 1 where he's calling the disciples. He, he, he linked up with Philip, and so Philip has now gone to get his brother. And so uh, Jesus comes up on him, and it says in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Verse 49, here it is. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So here Jesus, in his foreknowledge, saw Nathanael sitting under the tree prior to calling him into ministry. We see this type of foreknowledge demonstrated when Jesus was going toe-to-toe with the Pharisees. When when the, the paralytic was let down in front of him, Jesus, it's recorded throughout Scripture in the Gospels, that Jesus knew their thoughts and he responded to their thoughts, Right? And so here we see Jesus. We have this widow who's, who's come into the temple to make an offering. And Jesus has, has strategically placed himself at a place where he can see the treasury where people give. It's like, man, I just love the fact that, that no detail is too small. No person is too insignificant that, that Jesus won't position himself to look into their life and, and celebrate what they're doing. Amen? Come on. In verse 41a, it says that he sat down opposite of the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Now, you see, the treasury was a place in the temple, uh, and it was in this place called the Court of the Women. So you have this big temple, right? And so you had all these different levels into it to where you finally got into what was called the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go. And so there was an inner part of this temple that was called the, the Court of the Women, and, and it was just inside what was called the Court of the Gentiles. So it's like the Gentiles could come into the temple up to a point. And then they, the, the Court of the Women is the women could go into up to a point. And then you had your priests and your high priests and, and all that stuff. So it's this, this cascade in there. Well, they had these offering uh, chests in this Court of the Women. And so, like I said, the deeper you went into the temple, the more restrictions there were to access. And so uh, we see in this court of women, there's all these offering chests that Jesus is looking at. There were actually 13 of them. Um, And they were for various different offerings. Nine of them were for temple tributes or gifts of obligation or, or sacrificial tributes. So like nine of them were for tithes 
and, and your, your uh, obligations of giving for that. Um, but it also, if you didn't have an animal to sacrifice when you came to the temple, you could go in and they, the different boxes were for the different animals. And so you went and said, here's my sin offering. Here's this, here's that, whatever. And you paid your money into those. Four of them were for just like a free will offering. There were voluntary gifts like, like hey, I want to help the priest pay for the firewood. Or the incense was beautiful last week. Here's for more incense. Or here's for some decorations. A window got broken, right? And so you had these different chests that they could uh, drop their money in there. Now, the thing is, is these chests were described as looking like trumpets. And so you had this large opening that kind of went down into the chest. And so you can imagine the Pharisees were, were chastised for, for making a big scene of making their offering and their pride. And, oh, look how holy I am. Can you imagine this, this tin trumpet thing where you're clink, 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 right? And this is what we see. And Jesus is watching this. And so this is the scene that Jesus has positioned himself to see after he just dealt with these, uh, these Pharisees. And so we pick up in verse 41b and through 42, and it says, Many rich people put in large sums of money, and a poor widow came in and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. So again, people dropping their money in the offering. Some of them made a big deal of it. Some probably didn't. I mean, we don't know. It's not recorded what exactly happened. But we do know that Jesus notices this poor widow who comes in and all she has is two coins. And she puts them in. These two coins, which with the scriptures say make a penny. Well, actually, it was way less than that. I mean, she was, this woman was so poor. She was so poor. Poor people are like, dang, that girl's poor. I mean, she had less than, she had a quarter of a penny. That's what the equivalent of the two coins she had was to offer. In the world standard, she had nothing. She was broke. And yet here in her lack, she gave the two coins. And in verse 43, it's awesome because Jesus saw this. And it's like he calls his disciples to him. And he says, truly I say to you. It's like if Jesus is saying, truly I say to you, you trust it, Right? Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all she had to live on. How many of us have that kind of faith? If it's down to your last dime, how many of us are demonstrating this kind of faith? She's a hero. To us who believe nowadays, it's like she is an example that Jesus gave us and said, look at that old woman and look at the face she exercises. That is amazing. And it's like, we get to read that now. That wasn't her intent. She was going about her business. She was honoring God with her giving. It's like, praise the Lord. Here she gives out of her lack from this destitute place, right? She gave all she had, her final source according to the world, right? The world would be like, you're crazy, giving everything? But what did she know that they didn't know? She knew who her source really was. God is her source. She could give it away because she knew that God could restore it. She was honoring God with whatever she had, even to the point of giving everything to him. We see this happen before in the Old Testament. We see a similar demonstration of faith in 1 Kings 17, and it's verse 8 through 16. We're not going to read it all. But the prophet Elijah was told, go to this woman and ask her, and she's going to feed you. 
And so Elijah goes to this woman, and she's picking up sticks, and he's like, can I have some water? And she gives him some water. He goes, can I have some bread? And she's like, ah. Well, we read in verse 12 of, of chapter 17, this is her response. She said, and as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked and only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple sticks. God, I can't even imagine being in this place. I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. This was her last meal for her and her child before they expired of starvation. And here comes this Jehu, right? This prophet of God. And, and she's like, by the Lord, your God. It's like she didn't even identify it for herself. But because a man of God came in and said, can you feed me? She put her faith. She exercised faith. And guess what? Guess what happened to the flour? It didn't dry up. Guess what? The oil never ran out. While the the prophet was in the house here, she went and made him a cake. And can I tell you, God will do miraculous things, even with an insignificant amount. I mean, come on, that is the God we serve. God can do amazing things if we will go to him in faith and just say, here you go, you're my provider. I could get fired tomorrow, man, and now what? Right? None of our jobs are guaranteed to us. None of our lives are guaranteed to us. Are we going to walk in the faith that we're called to walk in? Is, is he our absolute source of everything? Go, do it. Breathe it in. God gave you that air. That's how much God has got us, people. It's like if we could trust him to breathe day to day and our hearts keep pumping while we're sleeping, Right? then we could trust him to take care of us. Amen? No gift you give to God is too small. No gift you give to God is too insignificant. No gift of God to God is irrelevant when it's given with the right heart, when it's given from a position of faith. Amen? What you give and how you give it says a lot about where your heart is at. Where others gave out of their excess, Jesus notes that the woman in our reading today gave all she had to live on. So small a gift in the world's sight made such an impact in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he called his disciples and said, look at this. This is amazing. Jesus marveled a few times when people demonstrated faith. We saw it with the centurion when he said, hey, I'm a man under authority. I say go, they go. I get it. You say the word, my my servant will be healed. He got it. And Jesus like, in all of Israel, I have never seen such faith. I mean, the, the Bible records that he marveled at that. And we see it right here as well. So small a gift had such a great impact. And you're like, really? I would say, yeah, really? Because it's, we're reading about it. Hello? <laughs> Take that for what it is. Out of all of history, that got recorded for us. It's like, I guess that was significant to God to record. Amen? Come on. What this woman did with the seemingly insignificant amount was monumental to where Jesus, the son of God, witnessed her gift and took note of her faith as she gave it. Wow. To give all that she had, she trusted that God would supply her need. One commentator said this, and I'm paraphrasing. She said, he said, Jesus points out uh, that the heart to give as well as our duty to give is worth taking note and that Jesus takes note. Matthew Henry's concise commentary says this, let us not forget that Jesus still sees the treasury. He knows how much and from what motives men give to his cause. He looks at the heart and what our views are 
in giving alms, and whether we do it as unto the Lord or only to be seen of men. It can be easy to give. Come on, if you got a bunch of money. Right? It's like, I, I'm going I'm to give to the Lord. And you're like, I know, in the back of your mind, you're like, I know I got all my bills paid. I know I'm covered. Yeah, I can give. No sweat. No sweat. I'll walk in that faith. Right? That's easy faith. Come on. It can be easy to give when it doesn't hurt the pocketbook a little bit, right? But can I tell you this today, that when God is truly your source, when you truly honestly believe he is the supplier of everything in your life, when you trust God with everything and you operate in faith that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and your source, it can be easy to give in your lack as well. We've experienced it. Man, we, have, we can testify, and I've heard so many testimonies of people where the money didn't match. Numbers didn't add up. It was crazy talk to even think about. And yet they faithfully gave, and God supplied their need. I, I spoke to a pastor. Gosh, this is how awesome God is. I spoke to a pastor who was sharing with me. He's like, man, he goes, I, I don't normally do this. I was after service. We were meeting and greeting, talking to somebody. He goes, I forgot to put this in the offering and gave him a $100 bill. And he's like, ooh, okay, I'll put it in there. And so he's sitting there, and, and he's saying goodbye to some folks. He's talking to some folks. Somebody comes up and says, pastor, I need to pray. I need prayer. I am struggling. My money, I don't have money. I don't, you know, and it, it, was one, it was one of these things. And it's like here God had laid a $100 bill in his pocket, and it's what the person needed to meet their bills. It's like lickety split. Oh, pastor, forgot, sorry, see ya to, I am changing your world because God Almighty is using me as a vessel to provide for you. He sees you. Let that sink into your heart. God sees you where you're at. He loves you where you're at. He wants to redeem you and reconcile you, what? To himself because he's love and he's generous and he's awesome. What does our giving say about our heart and about our faith? Where, where, where does our faith lie? Do we believe in Jesus Christ as our source for all things? Do we believe and trust in the promises that Scripture gives us and say, I'm going to live by this? Where is it at? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul is writing to a church about an offering that was given to another church. And he says this in verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I love this. God is able to make all grace uh, abound to you so that, having all sufficiency in all things at all times. What's the Greek word for all? All. Can we believe this? Right? That God at all times, why? So that you may abound in every good work. If we're giving it to God and we're saying, you're the source for me, I believe you're going to be the source for someone else. God will provide for you so that you can bless others. That's awesome. It says in verse 9, it says, As it is written, he's distributed freely, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and the, and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. So the more you give, the more he's going to give you to give. 
and the increase of the harvest of your righteousness. I love verse 11. It's like, you will be enriched in every way to what? What's it say? Oh, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saint, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. The ministry of giving and sowing is so that there will be thanksgiving to God, so that others will see God moving in their world, in their life, and can only give God the glory. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Do you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Do you believe he is the supplier of all things? Look at the next part of that. If you claim that he is it and the, gener- and the generosity of your contribution to them and all others. It's like, man, you talk about putting your money where your mouth is. It's like, if you're a believer of Christ, we should be generous. Amen? Even when times are hard. It's like, let's not trip out about, oh, that guy's just going to go buy alcohol. It's like, give it to him. If the Holy Spirit of God says give him money, give him money. It's more of a test for your heart. So that in all things, in all ways, you're going to have all you need to bless somebody else. And all you got to do is say, hey, God bless you. And if you see that person 50 times in a week saying, hey, God gave this to you. God gave this to you. God gave this to you. God gave it. What do you think he's going to do when he's going on his bender, right? When he's going to that, that, open it up and looking at all the cheap beer that he's going to get with the 50 cents we give him, right? And in the back of his head, he hears, God's giving you the money. God's giving you the money. God's giving you, man, there's going to be conviction. You, you will change somebody's life just by faithfully giving and supply even an insignificant amount. Say what? Consistency. Be generous. It's not what we give, but why we give, Right? How we give. Are we giving with a cheerful heart? Are we, are we giving in faith? That's the biggest part, right? Ministry is a team effort. No one person can bankroll the call of God into the world. Amen? Come on. It takes all of us. The one who drops in $10,000 is going to get the same reward as the one that drops in 10 or $1 if their hearts are in the right place. The reward's the same. What's the reward? Other people giving thanksgiving to God because of our generosity. That's awesome. The reward of giving others to others will be that they will give thanks to God. How would, how would really understanding that change how we give? That we're simply the vessels that God is using to make it happen. And that because of these things, when we do things on God's behalf and we're generous, we, people are going to give God the glory for it. What an awesome thing. Amen? Come on. And here I want you to know this. From this church right now, the generosity of this house is being shared with the homeless. It's being shared with the less fortunate. It's being shared with those that are in recovery, those that are escaping abuse. We're supporting missionaries overseas that are spreading the word of God. Collectively, as a church, we get to celebrate what we don't even know is going to happen yet. We get to celebrate that through our efforts, God's word does not come back void. And if our generosity is putting people in positions where they can bring God to the world, hey, man, we get to take a part in that. How awesome is that? That from Lola, Montana, there's a church plant in Italy. Come on. That's a trip. But that's what we're doing. 
Amen? This is awesome. It's all about how we give, the heart we give with. It's like, do we trust that God is our source? Do we trust God with everything that we have? Do we have the faith to release to God that which is God, even if it looks like our our bank account's empty? It's all about the heart. It's all about our faith and why and how we're giving. I hear my heart on this. We don't give to get. I am not a prosperity gospel. It is not a magic hocus pocus thing, right? We give by faith like this widow who gave and and gave of all she had. And and Jesus recognized it from the words of Jesus. Even out of her poverty has put everything she had, all that she had to live on. It's like, man, how do we give? We don't give to get. So what what are we giving for? To glorify God. We're given because we're commanded to. We're commanded to be generous. Let's do it. Amen? And here's the cool, I mean, God, there's so much about this woman that's just awesome. This woman, barely mentioned in Scripture, couple verses, couple books of the Bible, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or Mark and Luke that we're reading about. Two books, two Gospels, a few verses. This woman did something that Jesus looked at and went, oh my goodness, because he understood her faith, that even the rich man that came and said, Jesus, how do I get into heaven, couldn't do. Her obedience put her in a position where Jesus like, oh my goodness, look at that. Look at that faith. The rich young ruler came and said, Jesus, how can I get into heaven? He's like, well, follow all the commandments. He's like, I've been doing that since birth. I'm good. He says, oh, well, okay, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And it says, that, and the Bible records that the man's countenance changed. He walked away sad because he had many possessions. This woman, unnamed in scripture, but, but marveled by Jesus, gave in faith and did something that the rich young ruler couldn't do. All that she had to live on. She gave God everything. And as we close, we've looked at history, but I want to look at us. How are we doing? Are we operating in faith? Are we giving faithfully? Are we generous people? Are we only giving God so much? Are we giving him just the tithe and eh, no offering today? Are we just open hands? Hey, God, you give and I'll give. And that's just the way it's going to work in my life. Easy come, easy go. How are we doing? What does our giving say about our heart? What does our giving say about our faith? Jesus is watching. He's taking note. And all I can say is this, is that if we're going to start giving, if you haven't yet, start. Jesus is watching. Honor God. Don't give just because he's watching. Hear my heart. You get what I'm saying here? Like, don't get, okay. I gave. No. That's not what I'm talking about. But he's watching and he sees why you're giving. He sees your heart and he's going to reward you. And he's smiling and looking down on you when we do so. But give so that there could be thanksgiving given to Jesus. Give so that Jesus will be glorified and magnified. That we can grow the kingdom. Amen? Give by faith, trusting that Jesus is your source. I mean, I've heard it said where, hey, God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. Right? And in the world, it's like, nah, doesn't make sense. I have lived that out. 
And I know many in here have lived that out, where it's like we faithfully give and say, God, you got to take care of the rest. And we have had so many months where it's like the numbers don't work, but my goodness, God is faithful. It's like, man, to be able to do that and, and add the fact that others will give thanks to God because of what we do, it's like that's a whole nother level of why we should give. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we look at your word and we just see the truths that are found in it. We see just the way that we should apply these things to our lives. And Lord, man, I pray that you would help me to be a more thankful giver. That I would, I would, I would be just open palm so that as you give to me, I can give to others. And do so to bring you glory and thanksgiving. And if it doesn't happen the first time, it's like, I'm not going to quit. I'll do it a second time. I'll do it a 50 time. Give me that, Lord. I want to glorify and honor you. And I want others to see you and give you thanks, Father. Father, we look at, at this widow who, man, not named, not rich, flew under the radar, but she didn't fly under your radar, Lord. So, Father, as we celebrate what you shared with us today, help us to, to go out and, and be generous with others. Help us to share this message of generosity. Help us to find joy in the things that we do. Help us to celebrate giving. It's not taboo. It's not weird. It, it takes money to do ministry. And as we realize that and embrace that, help us to just be thankful that we get to be a part of your plan, that we get to be a part of making an impact in this world for your glory. Father, our desire is to worship you and to glorify you in the things that we do. Help it to be in our words. Help it to be in our actions. Help it to be in our pocketbooks, Father, that we would be all in for you, that we would be sold out, and whatever you ask us to do, we would be willing to walk out. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.